If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, I'm Megan Segura. And I'm Eric J. Mack. And this is The Daily Dish, Bravo's official podcast. I got the chance to sit down with the VP of current productions at Bravo, Erica Forstadt. Not only does she work on your favorite shows like Real Housewives of Orange County, Southern Charm, Shaws of Sunset, but she's also had my personal dream job trajectory. It all started in the editing room on that first season of Real Housewives of New Jersey the infamous table flip, anyone? And has moved on to things like building a network, working on the Lindsay show. Does anyone remember from OWN? And all of the great moments that you know and love of Bravo. I also made sure to ask some of your burning questions about this past season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, particularly around that Brandy and Denise rumor. Here's that interview. Okay, I want to welcome to the podcast Erica Forstadt, Bravo exec. She's VP, current production. Welcome, Erica. Hi, you guys. So first of all, just for everyone listening, what does it mean to be VP of current production at Bravo? Well, it's a lot. I mean, we oversee production, pre-production, and post-production, kind of all of it. We are basically the EIC of the shows that you watch on Bravo. So editor in charge. No, executive in charge. Executive in charge. What shows do you work on? So I've got currently five shows on Bravo. I have Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Real Housewives of Orange County, Shaws of Sunset, Southern Charm, and Project Runway. Which, by the way, congratulations, I saw that Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was just nominated for a couple of People's Choice Awards. Yes, thank you so much. We're so excited. So uh, nominated for the reality show of 2020 and the reality star of 2020, which is Lisa Renna. Yes, she is the best, clearly. <laughs> She's got a couple Kardashians to beat, but I think she can do it. Same. I agree. She is nothing but a winner. I want to talk a little bit about your journey to Bravo because it's one that I'm somewhat familiar with now, and I just find 
endlessly exciting and entertaining. So can you let everyone know how you came to be a VP at Bravo? So I studied communication and film, TV and film at University of Wisconsin-Madison. I actually had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. I thought I was going to be a dancer, believe it or not. And I realized that I would need to support myself when I left college. So that was not going to be a great idea. So I decided to go into film and television. And I started my career at MTV and worked my way up through the ranks there. At the time, we didn't work with production companies. So everything was done in-house. And so when you were in your 20s and they gave you a camera and they said, why don't you go make a show? You just kind of ran with it. It was it was amazing. The show that I'm most known for is a show called Diary, MTV yes. Diary. Yes. It was a great show. It had the tagline, you think you know, but you have no idea. Which uh, I say all the time and just in conversation. <laughs> I mean, why not? I think it's still, it's relevant for sure. The person who created it, his name is Jesse Ignatovich. He has now gone on to create his own production company called Den of Thieves. They do a lot of work still with MTV. They just did this most recent VMAs, the COVID version, which was unbelievable. But it was his idea and he did the whole first season which was amazing. And I posted the whole first season for him. So I was the post producer on that show. And then once second season started, he didn't want to travel anymore. So that show was really done by one person. It was a one man band. So the first time that they handed me the show was the Backstreet Boys episode, which was going around the world in a hundred hours, which was insane. So it was me with a DV camera a still camera, doing audio, doing everything as a one-man band, and just running around after rock stars. And I did about 26 episodes in total. That's amazing. It was the life of a gypsy. And I'll tell you, it is something I am so grateful for because it taught me everything I needed to know as far as filming, as far as editing and producing, because if there's no one else around you and you're making do with everything lighting, it's, you know, and it's all on you and you need to make a show that is worthy on being on television, that's a lot of pressure, especially for like a 25 year old. Yeah. It's funny just because I remember being at home during summer and binging MTV Diary. So it's it's interesting to to think about if episodes I watched were ones that you worked on. Possibly. I mean, I did so many of them. I will say that one of the funny stories is that a Backstreet Boy actually saved my life. <laughs> Which, Which one? Uh, Howie. Mm-hmm. When we were filming that show, it was, like I said, we were going around the world in 100 hours. So every continent we would stop at, that was our moment to take a shower, clean up, and then get back on the plane. So they had rented the Shah of Iran's 777 plane that was completely gutted with gold plating everywhere. It was amazing. And then they, you know, retrofitted it to be Backstreet Boys plane. So we were at our last stop in Brazil, which was insane because there was like thousands of kids who had met us at the airport and, you know, were rocking the bus. And that alone was bananas. But by the time we got back to the hotel, I had just done Howie's interview and I had, you know, like 10 minutes to get in the shower get dressed and then get back on the plane. And when I went to go take a shower, I slipped and fell in the bath in the bathroom because it, the shower nozzle had 
not been facing into the actual bathtub, but kind of spraying the marble floor. And so when I slipped and fell, I hit my head and I was kind of out, I think, for a moment. Oh, my God. I know. And then I came to and recognized that, you know, maybe I need to go get checked. But the only person I knew in the hotel and where they were staying was Howie because I had just left his room. So I threw on clothes, ran back to Howie's room and was pounding on the door, which he was not answering, of course, because there were fans everywhere. And I'm screaming, Howie, Howie, it's Erica. And he comes to the door, sees that it's me. I had like blood trickling down my neck. Totally oh scary. My God. I know. And he, he like put looks, Yeah, you know, I have really, really, really curly, lots of curly hair. Which, by the way, I think is what kind of saved my my butt with that one because like, <laughs> you had some padding built in. I had some padding, exactly. So, but he looked and he like saw he saw what was going on. He got up in my hair, <laughs> in my head, and called the tour manager. And the tour manager gave me a choice of basically staying in Brazil, in Rio, and going to a hospital, or getting back on the plane and dealing with it when we got back to New York. So I chose the plane. And, you know, I just stayed awake that whole night in case I had some concussion or something. And when I got back to New York, I shot that entire day. And then at the very end of the day, I went to the hospital and I was fine because of my hair. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> but a crazy story, but nonetheless, that I, I always think that if I run into Howie, I would mention it again and be like, hey, do you remember? Because I mean, that was a wild, wild experience. I can't, I mean, that it sounds like it. My God. Backstreet Boy saved your life, for God's sake. <laughs> it's going to be the name of my memoir. <laughs> so after MTV, is that when you went to OWN? No. So I, I after I left MTV, I became a freelance showrunner, producer, director. And I did a couple of series for the Sundance channel called one was called Iconoclasts. I did the first season of that. Another, and that was with Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sinofsky, who are very famous documentary filmmakers. They did, you know, Paradise Lost, Brothers Keeper, oh, yes. Some Kind of Monster, the Metallica documentary. And I did that. I did a, another documentary series with Brett Morgan, who's the director of The Kids Stays in the Picture. And that was called Nimrod Nation. You know, in a bunch of different things, I was, uh, my first Bravo job actually was a, as a post-producer on the first season of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. So you were there for the table flip. Well, I wasn't there in person, but I will say that I have ev seen every single camera angle of the table flip. Okay. When you first saw that moment and were watching it, did you think to yourself, this is iconic? I mean, I, I knew it was so memorable. It was definitely going to change the face of this franchise because no one had ever done that. And it was so unbelievable to watch that me and the editor who were working on that episode, I had done that episode, we watched it like 2,500 times because it was, it was shocking. Yeah. It's still shocking if you go back and rewatch, which everyone should go do. I mean, me and my friend who worked on the show joked all the time. I mean, it was a, a inside joke between us of like one day somebody's going to be so upset that like, you know, being at brunch and joking being and leaving and t flipping a table, but then to actually watch somebody do it was unbelievable. Would you say that's when your love affair with Bravo started? 
No, I was a, oh my God, I've been a fan of Bravo from before it had any of these shows on. I was, I've been watching Bravo since it was just inside the actor's studio. I, mm -hmm. and where I, 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 you know, Bravo has been something that has spoken to me directly. I am a Bravo viewer. I am a Bravo fan and have been from the very beginning. And I would just basically consume it from the very first Housewives to whatever was given to me that was offered at the time. I just loved it. Do you think that's helped you and your job today to be such a fan from the beginning? Absolutely. I mean, because I understand the voice and the brand. And I think that's really important for this job is to be able to reflect that on every series that you have. Each each series, of course, is different and has a different voice, but it still needs to exist within the world of Bravo. And yeah. Bravo has a very distinctive voice, which is why I think it has been so successful for so many years. Right. Okay. So before you get to Bravo, you're still freelance. What What's next? So before I get to Bravo, I'm still freelance. And a friend of mine who had worked at MTV and my old boss who had worked at MTV asked me, to come in for a meeting at the Oprah Winfrey Network, which had not launched yet. It was in LA. I had been in LA taking jobs. I would take, as a freelance producer, you take jobs wherever they are. And I would come out to LA and work on jobs. I would be in New York, I, you know, all across the country is wherever the job is, you'd go. And so while I was in LA, Michelle Dix and Rod Asa, Rod Asa, who is now the EVP of both Oxygen and E! Network, asked me to come in. They were both at MTV back in the day, and they asked me to come in to just see what it was like at OWN. So I came in and they offered me the job on the spot. I didn't even know I was going in for an interview. I just thought I was going in to see them. And they offered me the job and said that they would move me to LA. And you know, I'll tell you something, I am a true blue New Yorker. I did not get a driver's license until I moved to LA at the age of 35. Yeah. <laughs> so just so you know, I walked and took lots of taxis for a very long time in LA. But I um, said, you know, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. How, you know, I worked on development on many different shows for MTV and otherwise in first seasons of many, many shows, this was an opportunity to launch a network, which is so different and such a huge undertaking and what that would look like. And especially with Oprah, I mean, that is something you do not turn down. So I picked up and moved across the country immediately and moved out to LA in July of 2010. Well, one project you mentioned that you worked on, you know, as someone like myself who is a pop culture junkie, I can say that Lindsay, the show on OWN, has stuck with me through the years and I still go back and rewatch it because I do feel it was such a breaking the fourth wall phenomenon. Tell me about that experience. So Lindsay was an amazing opportunity. It was born from an interview between her and Oprah. And because of that, and she was in such an interesting state in her life where she was looking to make a change. She had gone through so much in the public and tabloids. And I think that she kind of wanted to pivot her story to become more positive at that moment. And Oprah 
was willing and happy to help her and be a mentor and help guide her. And through that, we were following that through the series of Lindsay. Now, what ended up happening is a very different story. Lindsay, as we were filming her, stopped showing up. We would be downstairs, the director and camera, and talking about the fact that she would not be coming downstairs. We would call her. You know, in production, you basically give the person a call time so that they know when you're showing up. It's not like we have keys to their apartment or anything like that. Sometimes they do once you've built that trust. Like, but Lindsay was a different story, of course. And so she kind of just disappeared. And at, at own, we, you know, were racking our brains and trying to figure out how we were going to tell this story. And we just decided, well, you're going to have to turn the cameras on yourself and tell that story because that's what the story has become. And if she's not showing up, you guys need to tell us that story. And so that's kind of what happened. I want you, without mentioning names, to think of the hardest to work with Bravo Liberty in terms of production, in terms of attitude, and all of that. Think of that person. Who was harder to work with, that Bravo Liberty or Lindsay Lohan? Well, you know, I, I feel bad, but at the time it was Lindsay, and I feel bad because she was going through a lot. And, you know, it's difficult. She was trying to get sober, and she was being very, attempting to be very open and honest about it, and I think that there was a lot of fear on her part. So, and she was having slip ups and so she didn't want to face it. But at the time, it's impossible to do a show with somebody who's not showing up. So I would say Lindsay. I think I also like Lindsay because it does sort of remind me of the seasons of Beverly Hills where we did, you know, discuss things like addiction and just those darker issues that aren't always at the forefront of other reality shows. I see a similarity there a little bit. Well, I think that that's part of what I love about Bravo is the bravery and storytelling, that we're not afraid to tell the difficult stories, to be honest. I mean, our, our housewives and other, you know, I, I also do Shaw's and Shaw's obviously had a, a huge story this past season, but, you know, they're not afraid to be open and honest and brave in front of our cameras. And I, and I appreciate that so much, you know, the camera is really a mirror to them. And I think that they can have the choice of running away from it or actually standing up in front of it and being true to themselves. And when they are, there is nothing better than that. And I think there's a type of healing in that too. So I, you know, I applaud them. It's something I probably could never do. So tell me about the moment you actually came to Bravo. So it's, you know, it's a really funny story because it's a story that I actually don't believe myself. I had left OWN. I had worked at a couple of different production companies in development, and I decided, you know, development really wasn't for me. I am a television maker. Development felt too much to be honest with me, like an acting job. And I love being behind the scenes and just getting my fingers dirty and creating. And so I saw, believe it or not, a listing for a job. It didn't say Bravo. It just said NBC Universal on LinkedIn. So I had no idea what I was applying for, but I submitted my resume into the NBC Uni portal and just thought no one's ever going to call me. 
<laughs> and a week later, I got a phone call from Marco, who is Kathleen French, SVP of Currents Coordinator, asking me to do a call with Kathleen and that the job was for Bravo. And I'll tell you something, at the time, I was totally okay with whichever network it was going to be at under the umbrella of NBC Universal. But when it was Bravo, I was so happy as such a Bravo Pollock myself. I, I just couldn't believe that submitting my resume into a portal could actually get somebody to call me back. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. And I do feel like it's good for people to hear that story because I think your job is a dream job, you know, and everyone assumes that there's only a, a small path to get there, but you basically took the most ordinary of, of ways to get there, which is through LinkedIn, you know? It was, I mean, I'll tell you something, it is a dream come true for sure. My first meeting in person was with Kathleen French and Jen Levy, who is now at Netflix. And I remember sitting there at, you know, 10 UCP in LA and them asking me, uh, which one are my favorite Bravo shows and me saying to them, you guys, that's the wrong question. It needs to be like, which aren't my favorite Bravo shows? Cause I watch all of them. So, I mean, I just felt like I was the right person for the job. Well, I have to ask because they say never meet your heroes. Now that you've been at Bravo a while, how are you feeling? Are you glad you took the job? I, I love the job. I really do. The fact is, is that for me, I am so proud of the shows that I work on. I'm so excited about the shows that I get to work on. Every day it's different. And I get to use my brain in so many different ways. The voice of Shaws of Sunset is completely different than the voice of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. The voice of Real Housewives of Orange County, which I consider to be kind of the comedy of the housewives, is very different than Beverly Hills. Project Runway is you know, a completely different animal that speaks to all of my love of fashion and creativity. And I've also been a watcher of that since season one as well. And it's just, you know, I, I, I don't tire of it. I, it's not like I get to see, you know, people say once you get to see how the sausage is made, you kind of stop eating the sausage. That has not happened. Okay, good. I do want to dig into those shows that you work on. Let's start with Beverly Hills. Season 10 just ended, and what a wild ride that was. <laughs> I know that there are certain things that you as a VP at Bravo can speak on, and I think that fans you know, have made their voices heard this season. One thing that we kind of saw on social media a lot is about the breaking of the fourth wall. I mean, you know, everyone, including the housewives, were shocked. You know, I remember Kyle said on the after show that we did that, you know, she couldn't believe when she saw the super tease for the season that they were showing that bravo, bravo, fucking bravo moment. So tell me about that decision. I think the only... And I think this is really important to me as having a doc background, and that is my passion in telling the truth of a story, is the only way to tell a story is to tell its truth. And I think we had no choice but to break the fourth wall this season. With what was happening with Denise and the other women, it was the only way to tell an honest and true narrative. So we had to. And that was really came from the production company 
they pitched it to us. They said, this is how we'd like to tell this story. And both Kathleen and I, who also oversees the show, agree. It was one of the highlights for me, too. And I, I think a lot of people felt that way. It just felt so real and raw. You know, I think that it's incredibly important. Look, as a fan of The Housewives, and I've watched so many different seasons of shows, and even Beverly Hills, and this was before I worked on it, you know, there would be times where there'd be conversations between, let's say, Lisa Vanderpump and somebody else, and they were kind of talking in code. And I, as a viewer, I was always trying to figure out what they were talking about. And sometimes I just didn't understand. I don't know if you remember the season where Lisa and Kyle Kyle and Winna were taught, it was the year of Munchausen. And yes. Talked, you brought me out and you wanted me to say it. And I always remember watching that and saying, but what really happened? Because I don't really understand what they're talking about. And I think it was still enjoyable and I still loved watching it as a viewer. But with this season, there was no way we could tell the story without doing what we did. Okay. So how... And when are the conversations happening where field producers are telling you, oh my God, Brandy has just come over to Kyle's house and said that she was hooking up with Denise. Like how quickly are you getting that information? Like later that night, honestly. Uh, the showrunner and I talk all the time. That's part of my existence. I mean, they basically, if it, you know, they basically become my spouse. I mean, we are talking all the time, probably more than any of my friends <laughs> that I talk to. And so that night, I believe he texted me the information and I just immediately called him. Uh, that was shocking. Yeah. Are you, is is the Bravo fan still in you where you're just sort of giddy over this? I mean, it's kind of like being told like a really great secret. <laughs> it totally is. I would not deny that like as a fan of these shows, I of course get excited. I love seeing how the seasons unfold with all of my shows. So, you know, I am always surprised. I go into every season thinking maybe I know what's going to happen based on the fact of just who I know these people to be. And I am surprised every single time. So yeah, that was surprising and amazing. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want to be able to address something that fans took issue with, and they felt that that moment when Brandy did come out with this information at Kyle's house, that they thought it was sort of set up and maybe even shot after the Rome trip. I would like to put any rumors to rest and say that that was actually shot exactly when it was shot. It was shot before they went to Rome. So the reaction of Teddy and and Kyle at, in that moment and not knowing what to do since they were going to be seeing Denise shortly was completely real. And they knew that Kim was coming by. They didn't know that Kim was going to be with Brandy. So all of that was absolutely real. Mm. At one point during the season, Denise, it seems, isn't showing up for filming. How do you guys deal with that situation? You know, it's really for the production company to be handling any kind of difficult situations. They are the first line of offense and defense in all of it, and that's evolution. And And Alex and Doug are the most amazing partners to work with. And, you know, they keep us in the loop, and we only step in if we are really necessary to step in. You know, we, of course, want... Denise to feel comfortable and to show up to filming, but it's not, we can't force anything and we don't force anybody to do something that they don't want to do. That's not, that's not what the show is. I mean, we are filming their true lives and if Denise doesn't show up, she doesn't show up. And that's not what we want. We want her to feel okay. And we want her to show up and we want her to be there. I mean, this is a group of friends, first and foremost. And it's for them to deal their deal with their issues. It's not for us to step in. Were you surprised to find out that Denise wasn't coming back? You know, the only thing I can say is I want everyone to be happy and comfortable, not only at their job, but doing this and being around a group of friends. You know, we want to see them have fun, work on disagreements, but when they can't work on the disagreements anymore, that's just too bad. Okay. I love Sutton. Do you think if there's another season, we'll get more of her? Well, I can't speak to who's coming back next season or... If there are any new people next season, we are still kind of in pre-production. But I will say that Sutton was certainly a fan favorite, and we love her too. But do you think we'll ever get Kathy Hilton on Beverly Hills? I mean, it's possible. It just, for me personally, Erica, if you could work on it, I... I just need back that Richards family drama. It's so good. So um, with Kyle, this is going to be her 11th season. Um, and she has opened up her family life to us um, in an extraordinary way. And, you know, I think that both of her sisters um, are fascinating, Kim and Kathy. And, you know, I hope so too, Megan. I, I love Kathy. I actually, <laughs> believe it or not, so when I was at the Oprah Winfrey Network, I did a show called Life with LaToya. And that was a show about LaToya Jackson. It was done with World of Wonder. And Kathy is very, very, very good friends with LaToya Jackson. And she was on that show. So I have 
uh, worked with Kathy before. Uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I want to talk about Shaws of Sunset. It's a show that's near and dear to my heart. And I know you've, you, you've told me that you love this show so much and you'd be so upset if you no longer worked on it. It's true. It was one of the first shows that was handed to me my first day at Bravo. Jen Levy, who I mentioned before, who's now at Netflix, it was her baby. And she kind of bequeathed it to me. And I just love it. And I love the culture aspect of it. I love them. It's a very different show than any other show on Bravo. There is kind of a wackiness and almost psychedelic aspect to it. It feels like it's the one show that has no rules and to be able to play in that playground is amazing. Do you think MJ and Reza will ever reconcile? Oh, that is the question to end all questions, isn't it? I hope so. I love them so much. You know, they are the true married couple of the show and that's how I see it. They are the love story. And for me, I want nothing more than for them to make up and for all of them to just get along. I, you know, they are better together when they are happy and having fun than when they are separated. And, th- you know, this is a true group of friends. Reza and MJ have been friends for a really, really, really long time. I think that they share such a history that, it, it, you know, I really, that's my hope. And we are starting to film that now, so that's really exciting. And I know you mentioned something about a bowling party every season. Tell me about that. So it didn't happen this season, unfortunately. And I think that was because of, I don't know why, if it was COVID or not, but I can't remember. But every season we have a wrap party and it is bowling with the shots. And we go bowling, and it's the best time ever. And the last time I went bowling, I was on a lane with Mike, Nima, and Destiny. And that was really fun. Amazing. Also, what's the deal with Nima and the rest of the group? It, it, you know, we were ta- you were mentioning earlier how sometimes as a fan, you're not you're not really sure what the subtext is of a fight, you know, talking about that Munchausen example with Kyle and Lisa and Renna. My question during the the Shaw's reunion was, why is everyone so mad at Nima? That's a great question. And if I had to guess, it is because he really took up MJ's cause. He is a true friend to MJ. And I think that, you know, Gigi has her own reasons with Nima. I think they are drawn to each other and then not drawn to each other. But I believe the reason why Reza is so upset at Nima is that maybe he feels betrayed by his friendship with MJ. Okay, that that clears things up a little bit. Poor Nima. Okay, I want to also talk about Real Housewives of Orange County because we are mere days away from that premiere and I can't even tell you how excited I am. What was it like working on this show? Because it was really sort of a show that we're going to see the beginnings of the pandemic in real time. Oh, yeah. So Orange County is another one of the shows that was handed to me when I first started working at Bravo. So I have been on Orange County since midway through season 10, which is with the uh, car flip. If you remember that, when they went like off-road, what was that? Yes, 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 yes. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So that was the same season. And so this season, 
you know, we were filming Real Housewives of Orange County. And what you'll see this season is watching how COVID at the beginning is perhaps not taken seriously or people don't really realize how serious it is. It's just, it's a reflection of us and how we consumed what was actually going on. And we had to stop filming Orange County midway through. And what's really interesting is we put down our cameras, but the women picked up their own cameras and started self-filming. And so we don't miss a beat at all. We are following it through the entirety of pre-COVID, COVID, and where we are now. I know that, you know, with this cast, pretty much all of our Bravo cast, but this one, you know, right now, I I feel like there's been some backlash from, you know, the audience in terms of how some are dealing with COVID, what they're talking about on social media and with politics. Does that make you nervous or do you get excited by sort of the controversy of it all? I think it's interesting. Orange County is a notoriously conservative part of a very liberal state, California. And so we never have had to touch upon politics in this show, but it is a big obviously election year and there is just no way to not cover it and it also is defined with the pandemic as well so it's like as much as you're watching everything on the news it's the same thing that's exactly happening in the microcosm of our women so it's like we see the macro on the news and then the micro is our women to answer your question it's not that it makes me nervous it's you know again i want to reflect what is the truth it's interesting because OC and Beverly Hills, you know, are not so far in terms of location, but seem like completely different shows. What do you sort of attribute to that? Well, I mean, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's like if we had the Real Housewives of New York and it's Manhattan, and then you had the Real Housewives of Queens or Staten Island, it's just that they're far apart. You know, there's a different vibe of Staten Island or Queens or Manhattan or Brooklyn than there is to, it's in the same relation of Orange County, Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, and then even like Manhattan Beach is different. You know, there's every every area in California, which is a huge state, is different. So, you know, Orange County is about a two-hour drive from Beverly Hills, at least. So if you were to even think about being in Manhattan and taking a two-hour drive to Long Island, that's going to be very different in the maybe beliefs of people in that small town in, in Long Island or upstate New York is going to be very different. So, Right. Do you think there's anyone from OC that could successfully make a switch to Beverly Hills and vice versa? I don't think that it's about that. It's interesting because that's, you know – I think that like people would think about creating the dream team. And I know that like Andy does that on Watch What Happens Live. And I love watching those dream teams and the people that they choose. But I don't I don't ever think of it in that way. I don't ever think of swapping. It's not even it has never even crossed my mind. Is there somebody mm-hmm. who you think could? Now I wanna know what you think. You know, part of me just would love to see Shannon Bador in any other like just in general, she entertains me to no end. So I just would always be curious to see her in any cast, really, and how she sort of adapts or how they adapt to her. Fair enough. So the Southern Charm Season 7 Super Tease just went out. And 
that's another show that you work on. That's right. It definitely feels like a different show this season. Do you think so? You know, I think, again, it reflects exactly what happened this year and what happened in Charleston and how they dealt. Because we were filming this season as well during the coronavirus shutdown and the quarantine and then also with the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, thinking of the South and their the Calhoun statue being brought down and and reflecting what is actually going on in the world. I think this season is an incredibly important season for Southern Charm. It shows the evolution of Charleston. I know Madison is a full-time cast member this season. I have to imagine fans' reaction, social media does play a part in those decisions. Is that correct? I mean, social media... You know, it, that is such a, a big landscape. It's hard to narrow that down. But I thought Madison, or I think Madison, is an incredibly powerful woman and one that I felt was maybe necessary as a different counterpoint on the show. She is a single mother. She owns her own business. She's kind of a powerhouse. She owns her sexuality. She, you know, she's really... Of present day, when yeah. sometimes I think that Charleston is kind of set back in olden ways. I mean, you saw the seasons prior and how the Me Too movement was reflected in Charleston, and it's like the good old boys. You know, you think about that, and being in New York yourself, it's like, could you even imagine having to act a certain way because of the surroundings around you or the history of the town? So I think that. Madison is kind of a different woman for us. If you're a betting woman, do you think that she and Austin will end up together at the end of the day? Oh, God, I'm certainly not a betting woman. (laughs) (laughs) If I was a betting woman, I, God, you know, everything that I work on here, I would have lost so much money all the entire time because I am constantly surprised, shocked, and bewildered by everything that happens and the choices of of all of the people that are on my shows. I mean, that is what keeps me fascinated is watching and and experiencing their choices and their decisions and their behavior and and how they react to certain situations. It's like it's like being, you know, a a uh anthropolo- it's like an anthropological study. It's really yeah. It is the study of sociology. One of the things I love about watching Bravo is that two people can watch the same episode and come out with completely different ideas of who's right, who's wrong, what should have been done, what was said wrong. Are you often surprised by fans' reactions to the seasons you're putting out of shows? Oh, yeah. And I I love that too. I really love that too, Megan. It's like, to be able to tell a story that has that much subtext, that much nuance, that the receival of it from an audience can be so vast is so interesting to me. I mean, I watch other, I don't actually watch other reality shows, but when I have, I find that it's just so narrow. And that's what's so interesting about Bravo is how tactile it is, you know, how how much there is to eat in a way and consume. And it's not just one story you're being given. And it's an open-ended and we never tell a story where we are making a judgment of somebody. We want you guys to watch and make your own judgment and your own decisions. 
it's not for us to ever do that. And that's, yeah. why, and that's kind of being a true documentarian is just telling an honest story. You know, I was watching an episode of um, Bravo's chat room, our new show, and Portia and um, Giselle, we were talking about Real Housewives. And I think they were actually talking about Dorinda's exit from Real Housewives of New York. And they said the kiss of death is when a Real Housewife tries to self-produce. Is that a problem that you come across on your shows? Because, I mean, some of your shows have very seasoned people on them. And is there a way for for you even in your position to sort of try to get them out of that mode? Well, I can't speak to Dorinda, of course, and and what happened there. Because that's not one of my shows, but I do love New York. It is one of my all-time favorite ones. You know, I I don't know if the right word is self-produced, but if it's coming from them who, you know, are housewives, that they know best. But the way it is to me is that sometimes a housewife can think that she's giving you what you want and therefore not being honest. Right. And becoming almost a caricature of herself. Yes. And all we're wanting is the truth. And sometimes I think that there becomes a little bit of self-doubt. I can all, you know, and I relate. I mean, I can see how that would happen when you watch yourself on television, how you come across with how social media and everyone else is reacting to you, that you maybe perhaps the next season decide I'm not going to do that anymore. And you start censoring yourself where you start trying to be somebody you're not. And the audience Our audience is incredibly smart and sees through that as well. So we all just want everyone to be real and be themselves. So as far as me specifically having anything to do with that or helping to change that, look, I, I mean, I speak to the showrunners all the time and we talk about everything under the sun, but it's really up to the producers to get the honest story from from the people that we have casted on our shows. Yeah. Is there anyone that sticks out in your mind who's had the biggest evolution from their first season to now? I mean, Gigi's amazing. Gigi started off basically as this wild child, and she would call herself that as well. And here she is now as a brand new mother and as a as a business owner. I mean, she is supporting herself. She is supporting a child now. She went out on her own and decided to do this on her own. She kind of has gotten her life together. And and I, I love that. I love that evolution. I am so proud of her. You must field phone calls from talent all day, I would imagine. Actually, not really. And it's mostly text messages that I'll receive or phone calls. But no, I don't really have other casts calling me. Like I said before, the first line of defense is the, or offense is the production company, but it certainly needs to kind of go in a specific order. But no, I, thank God I don't have, no, I, you know, no, I don't field phone calls all day or all night. (laughs) But, you know, there are, there are certain times where I am, I am chatting with some housewives or uh, some Shaws. I, I talk to my judges on, you know, on Project Runway. I'm just getting to know the Southern Charm cast since this is my first season on it. And, you know, I, I love them all. So because you work on Project Runway, what would you say is your favorite part of working on that show? It's so different from the other ones. Oh, 
I, it's one of my favorite shows to work on because it is so different than my other shows. It's, you know, not a docu-series. It's a completely different type of show. It uses a completely different type of my brain since it's a competition. But my favorite thing is, and it's always been my favorite thing about Project Runway, is that there is a challenge given. And from that just cha- that like that one challenge, we watch the evolution of the creative process. And we see it from the very beginning, from the idea, from the sketch to getting the the material to then seeing the dress or the suit or whatever it is walk down the runway. And I love watching the creative process. I think there is nothing more fascinating than that. Do you also get your fashion fill from watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills with their <laughs> outfits? Yes. I mean, God, those women know how to turn it up, right? Yeah. Erica's if, interviews every season excite me to no end. I'm like, what is she going to do this time? I know. See, when I get the the text message with her photo of what she's wearing for the interview, it's like the best day ever. Do you approve those looks? Well, with Beverly Hills, it's not really approval. It's just making sure that everything looks good. The, mm. You know, they are really putting so much time into what their look is. Is there, what about Dorit? You get excited for her too? Oh my God, yeah. Dorit is also another fashionista. I mean, all of them are in their own way. Sutton and all of her Dolce looks. Yes. With all of her wigs. I mean, it's so fun. I love those women so much. And especially when they go on our trips. Can we talk about all of their wardrobe in Rome? Wasn't it fantastic? Amazing. I know. So, Like Arcel said, it was like the fashion off every night. I know. Well, I loved it. Well, I years, 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 years ago, uh, one of my many jobs was working for Style.com and helping to create the video model and storytelling for their website. They had only just done runway shows and they wanted to do short form shows. So I helped create a bunch of their shows and style.com was the hub of Vogue and and men.style.com is GQ. So, and I've always loved fashion. And so Bravo has not only Project Runway, but Beverly Hills and all of our different housewives. It is so much fun to see how all of these people turn it out. And, and it's, you know, it's all aspirational. It's so much fun. And you get to, you know, either, either love their outfit or judge their outfit, or I would never wear that, or I would love to wear that. And if I can only look like that in that, you know, it's, it's really fun. Ugh. You really have just had my dream career. I used to be obsessed with style.com. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And I would watch all the runway shows at night. I used to love it. I loved working on it. It was it was really fun. Do you have any personally dream Bravo celebrities like, who aren't yet part of the network but you just think would be great? That's a great question. It would take me a minute to answer that. I mean, that is such a... A big question. I have to get back to you on that one. So please tell me about the new cast members this season on Southern Charm. Well, we have, well, we talked about Madison and we have another woman who's been on the show many, many years. She's a very good friend of Cameron's. 
Her name is Leva. And Leva's a really, really interesting, powerful, another powerful woman in in Charleston. Uh, she owns multiple businesses on their main street. She owns one of the bars that, that we have seen throughout the years on the series. And what's great, she is, you know, we're opening up and really showing that diversity of Charleston. And Leva is of Persian descent. She is married, but she's really the powerhouse. She really has something going on. I would say in a way, she's like the Lisa Vanderpump of Charleston and owning a bunch of these businesses on the main thoroughfare uh, in the city. John Pringle is also a new cast member to us. He is a handsome gentleman, to say the least. He... uh, has the Pringle name is a long storied name for Charleston. And he has just recently moved back to town um, after a divorce from his wife. So, you know, he brings a bit of new, maybe a new little uh, love affair to maybe more than one of our women. Now, when you say the Pringle name, you don't mean the Pringle name, right? Like the chip? I, I don't believe so. Okay. Because <laughs> that would be an important fact for people no, to know. <laughs> so we have a new cast member for OC. What can we expect from Elizabeth? Elizabeth has been friends with Kelly for a couple of years and knows Bronwyn and Emily as well. Uh, she's a bit of a mystery, honestly. And, and we'll get to see that unfold. She is currently going through a divorce and to a very, very, very wealthy man. But Elizabeth is a, a powerhouse in her own right. She is a true businesswoman. She started uh, a music company and she's really interesting. And she gives us the world of OC that we're always dying to have. She lives right on the beach in Newport and has this wonderful, beautiful place that I think our fans are going to love seeing. You know, what we got Garcelle Bouvet this season. Yes. What did you think of her first season as a Real Housewife? Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with Garcelle. Garcelle is amazing. When Garcelle walked into Kyle's party with the white shirt, button-down shirt. Me too. It was like we were done. By the way, when I first met Garcelle and we chatted with her prior to us started filming, she's so beautiful and so funny and so smart and has so much story to give. I'm so happy to be, you know, part of her coming to joining the show. I think she's fabulous. I think that she is not afraid to speak what she believes. She is perfect on the show. Don't you guys agree? I love her. I'm I'm so hopeful that she is back next season if there is another season. <laughs> Well, we shall see. <laughs> I wish I could just unload and tell you all of my secrets, but I can't. Uh. <laughs> I know. Erica, thank you so much for coming and just spilling all of this Bravo knowledge with us. I think that you really do have such a fascinating career, and it's always great to get you know, the, the the maker of the show. Get your thoughts on everything. Thank you. It's been an honor. I love talking with you. Um, and I love working with you too. You know, that is something I get to do on a daily basis is, you know, getting to chat with you and Emily and everyone that works on, on these shows. We all kind of touch them in a, a really unique way. And I think we all 
um, make them exactly what they are. So, you know, you too, you really um, give them a life, you know, on digital. So thank you for that, Megan. Thank you. And remember, watching Bravo isn't a guilty pleasure. It's self-care. Guys, let's keep the conversation going. We want to talk to you all week long. You can find us on Instagram at Bravo Daily Dish. And on Twitter at Bravo TV. Just don't forget to use the hashtag Bravo Daily Dish. Or reach out to us personally. I'm everywhere at Meg Segura. And I'm everywhere at Eric J. Mack. That's E-R-I-K. And if you're on Facebook, join the Daily Dish Facebook group. You can post about what you're watching, your favorite shows, who's your favorite housewife, ask a question, start some drama. There's a lot of good stuff in there, so check it out. You can also learn more about the podcast at bravotv.com. Bye, guys. Bye. Looking fun, and I got my girls with me. With the boys at the table getting tipsy, miss me, kiss me one more time. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today. Welcome to Pura. The most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura. No murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us in Pura. Promised to keep you safe. I killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pure. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery+. Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.